Dude, 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 this song closed. We gotta change it. Time for a zero check. Oh no, that's even worse. I couldn't cut was No. And with Steven's facial hair, we are now a fully bearded. Nice. I know, right? It's so a, cool. it's a, it's a full set. We're ZZ Top over here. I know. I was the, I was the outlier for a while, but <laughs> here we are. Was it just as an experiment that you tried it, or you just hated shaving enough that you stopped? No, I mean, I've been doing it for so many years. Um, it was, I started growing something at the beginning of November. Uh, and maybe more like the middle of November. And at some point, Jem was like, it's, it's looking kind of interesting. Why don't you see where it goes? So okay. I, I kept it, I kept growing through Christmas up until last week. And it was, it was quite sizable then. And then when I got my haircut, I said to the barber, I've never heard a beard before. Do something with it. So they, they trimmed it down to this. Yeah, it's if, uh, it's the if beard. You do, if you do hit the point where you want to clean, get rid of it, get a hot towel shave, Steve. Those are nice mm. pamperings. Mm. Okay, I'll remember that. You get your, your nails done, too. Mm. <laughs> the feeling of having, like, almost burning hot towels covering your entire face, except for your nostrils, is an interesting but surprisingly pleasant one. Oh, like... I have never done that. It's, it's worth doing it at least once. Yes. Okay. You might get hooked. I've only done it once, but it was very nice. <laughs> I mean, I've like I've had lots of haircuts in my life because I've lived a long time and had a lot of hair. So mm. the, the, so usually when I go in to get my haircut, the whole process takes maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> they go in, they the side, they snip at the top and they're like, "You're done." And they shave the neck, you know, all that good stuff. Here it was like the, the hair took the same amount of time, but I swear they spent a half an hour on the beard alone, just trying to get it. Just, you know, they use like four different razors, each with like three different heads. <laughs> and that like foil thing. That... <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It, it was intense. I've never, <laughs> never seen anything like it. But I figured, you know. There's a cat behind me. I see switch. Yeah, might as well do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, switch. Okay. So should we do an episode? Yeah, we let's get rid of this Christmas music. Yeah. <laughs> we should we should start with the Christmas albums and then move on to the real albums. Yeah. I, sh- I I should just pick a Christmas album for our next one. <laughs> I mean I mean you could. What's, but I won't. Le- what's like the farthest away holiday, Mike, and yeah. pick an album for that? It's Christmas. Yeah, New, New Year's. New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, want an intro. Uh, I'm just looking at what episode number we're at. Twelve. Uh, yeah, I think twelve. Right. This is episode one. Episode one of the next season. Oh, do you want to do that? We should remember yeah, season two. two. Yes. Or season yeah. five, or season whatever it is. Yeah, season five, episode season one. Five. This is our season premiere. Okay. We need a new intro, and we need to, to change the pictures of the kids growing up so that they're slightly older at the end. Like, <laughs> Oh, okay, like growing pains. 
exactly like growing pants. <laughs> nice. I'm thinking of nothing but growing pants. Show me that smile Show me that smile. Don't waste another minute on your crying. <laughs> so good. Well, we're gonna do our our, our TV theme song episode. <laughs> I mean, if if you could get a good uh, uh, an album of t- t- TV theme songs, I would be into it. Um, I love TV theme songs, especially from the '80s, because they were like the catchiest tunes in the world. Oh, for sure. Like Full House. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, my favorite is Growing Pains, which is why I always go back and mention that one. Yeah, because it was awesome. it's just such a good theme. So good. All right, season. All right. Do you want to do the intro, Mike, or do you want me to do it? Do it. You you go ahead and do it. I mean, who hasn't done the intro? Have you done the intro before, Mike? I've done the intro. Yeah. Okay. We've all done it. We've all done it. All yours, Greg. Sweet. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the first episode of season five of the Zero Check. We are back in our second season after almost a decade of hiatus. Myself, Craig, Stephen, Richard, and Mike. Back at you in the new year of 2023 with four more albums of awesomeness. Um, at the time of this recording, it is still January 2023. So we have some leftover Christmas music we're going to be attending to on this episode. We and have... May, maybe someday. Sorry, this is a little bit of a, an interruption. I'm just breaking in here. But maybe... Breaking news. Maybe if, if anyone feels motivated, we'll have this episode published before the winter ends. What do we think? I think the odds are good. Yeah, love it. <laughs> Richard's rocking a new PC, so he's got some serious editing skills now. Oh, that's true. He count, needs to play with it. Do we count that last gasp of snow we always get in April as still winter? Or is are we full in spring in April, Stephen? Um, let's, 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 call it, let's call spring April the 15th. We'll make that our deadline. Ah. <laughs> I, like I was gonna say March twenty, whatever. No, no, it's still it's it's it's. it's there's like an eighty five percent chance it snows after that. It's, winter yeah. is not properly defined for Canada. This mm. is true. This is true. Anywho, on today's episode, yes, Craig, have, what did we listen to? We have the soundtrack to the Charlie Brown Christmas Special by the Vince Guaraldi Trio. We have Christmas Eve and Other Stories by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, License to Ill, the debut album by the Beastie Boys, and Enema by Tool. Gentlemen, who wants to go first? Let's get the Christmas out of the way. It's that which leaves you, Mike or Craig. Let's do the Vince Guaraldi Trio, the objectively best Christmas album of all time. Can't argue um, with that. Pretty damn good. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, that's, that's an absolutely fair thing to say it's it it is super classic and so very jazzy i imagine most i won't say most i'll say many of our listeners have heard this album in passing probably from watching the 1965 christmas special the charlie brown christmas and never really paid attention to the music but um a couple of years ago i decided to listen give the soundtrack a full listen and it quickly became my favorite favorite christmas album partially of course due to nostalgia but partially also it doesn't sound like a Christmas album, and that to me is a huge plus. Um, in the past few years, I've kind of got a bit of the Christmas humbug bug, unfortunately. So this, um, in having different nostalgic memories around Christmas while not having like the same Christmas standards you've heard 110 billion times by 110 different artists, is a huge win. 
Um, I think as Steven mentioned, it is super jazzy and super smooth. So it is wonderful to put on in the background, put on in your home. It's not too high energy. It's something nice and different. Um, I don't have too much else to say. All I will admit that I have not checked out much of Mr. Raldi's other work. Um, in a quick scan of his Wikipedia, it seemed he was highly acclaimed. He had a Grammy Award or Grand Grammy winning song in 1962 that broke through the charts. But um, still on my to-do list to check out more of his body of work. Gentlemen, your thoughts. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's fair to say that the legacy of Vince Guaraldi and his trio is going to be this album. <laughs> it's mm. it, it it just it ha it was in the right place at the right time, mm -hmm. attached to the right media to become an absolutely classic album. Like there are there's there's songs, original songs on this album that everybody knows. Linus and Lucy. Christmas yeah, and time is here. And that. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 like, every, like, I, I don't think you can have gotten through this, and like, let's say three decades. Let's just throw that many out because it's a good number. In North America and, and experience that many Christmases and not have heard these songs. Mm -hmm. Correct. He also, um, his trio also did the music for the other Charlie Brown Christmas. Or Charlie yeah, the Brown, Great Pumpkin. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's one other one, I think, too. So he, he got a lot of exposure in general. Pretty much every Charlie Brown, I was doing a little reading earlier today. Uh, pretty much every Charlie Brown TV special, the music was done by Vince Guaraldi. Um, his trio is not a, is not a static thing. It's, he's worked with many different backing artists and, yeah, it, and most of most of his, he's he's done a number of albums that weren't uh, Charlie Brown or the Peanuts, um, but uh, a lot of his work was doing music for those shows. Oh, he's, I mean, and good for him. Like he found his 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 niche in popular culture, and he will live forever. Even though like, he passed away at the age of forty-seven from a heart attack. I mean, and poor guy. I mean, I being a jazz musician in the sixties, I imagine he lived a hard life. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't know anything about the guy, except that I mistook him for Vince Lombardi. You know, it ain't over until it's over. You know, <laughs> Vince Lombardi. Um, but uh, uh, no, but he, this like he his this is his his mark. Like mm -hmm. and good for him. It's more than more mark than most most people will leave, for sure. And and there was okay. I had a couple of things. So this particular Christmas special is one of those iconic classic Christmas specials that we all grew up watching. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know if you guys know that in the last couple of years, uh, Apple TV snapped up all the rights to it. Oh, Ooh. I didn't know that. So Apple TV Plus is the only place you can watch that sh that now. It's not streaming anywhere else. So unless you own the the, the DVD, which I do, and I'm I'm thinking maybe some of you guys might own it as well. Um, the only place you can watch it is on Apple TV Plus, which which kind of 
feels kind of uh i don't know feels kind of cheap that... Weak. it should show up on tv every year like rudolph the red-nosed reindeer yeah Ross the snowman right but but now that they can say well you know if you want your kids to experience these christmas classics then just sign up to apple tv plus you know and and it, it almost feels like you know monetizing our childhood like that is 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 a little bit a little bit lame but um, i mean this is the time to do it and this is when we have the money yeah, yeah <laughs> so they, they, they they know who their their demographic is for sure um so so that's that's one one piece um the other is is that um so my son plays the drums and when he was learning how to play the brushes on the drums um he actually learned it uh to this album he learned it to you know to to uh to christmas time is here because he could play the you know on the on the on the drum uh, on the snare with the brushes and and so he he plays that every every Christmas time. He's like, oh, I want to play, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas on the drums, you know. And he's he, he's eleven years old, so he's like, it's like the, the the next generation is, you know, learning how to play. Yeah, stuff I mean, from I, this album. I I kind of like th- things come and things go, even classics, right? Like mm. nothing lasts, nothing stands the test of time mm. forever. Um. And I wonder now, like kids who are young today, um, like we saw, we saw all these Christmas special specials because they were on every year at Christmas time. Yeah, like they yeah. put them on TV, and and we were we we you know we were children of the television, so we we would see them, and mm-hmm. uh, and and every year we would see them, and the the sheer repetition of it is what created the tradition culture by brute force and sometimes yeah, you would even exactly what it is you would even record them the, on your vcr right yeah, yeah. And they were on over the air tv or not not over the air but like um or non- cable, cable or, networks yeah like yeah CBS, they, they were ABC. yeah they show up on global yeah mm-hmm. all this crap is on global yeah the rank and bass specials like oh, yeah like rudolph <laughs> reindeer um yeah uh and i i don't know that there's enough of a monopoly on culture anymore for the new generations to get indoctrinated into Christmas the way we were. Mm-hmm. Like we could, we, we'll make our kids watch them, but I doubt our kids would ever do that for theirs. They don't have oh, the yeah. same. They don't have the same burning mm-hmm. in of this. Like this is something that their parents like now. Yep. Same with everything else. Same with like Magic School Bus. It's the media of the day takes over. I'm too old for the Magic School Bus. <laughs> I was also too old. I think um, my wife is more aware of Magic School Bus because of her sisters, mm. like five and seven years younger. I think so. That's how she got on the show. Sure, that would I do. Was it. Also, I was also too old for Magic School Bus, but I think yeah, you're. That's a good point, um, Steve. Is that there's no that tradition got kind of broken by streaming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same with music, right? Like, there's no hmm. um, music is so fragmented and different genres, and you know, different charts and different th- th- that like what is popular music now is like the lowest, like it's like the lowest common denominator of music. Yeah, and I what mean, not that it ever, not hits. that it ever, yeah, not that it ever wasn't, but <laughs> it's it's but it's hard for. Who's this Bill Haley in the comments? 
Yeah, I mean, back in the day, like if we go that far back, there was a radio station with a DJ who made and broke artists, right? Yeah. And then you go back to when we were younger, and there were still, you know, there was a few major labels that were pushing uh, a limited number of records, and there were a limited number of bands and a limited number of genres that were, you know, uh, being promoted heavily, and that you you'd really hear on the radio or you know, on much music or <laughs> this that, or the other thing. But now it's like there's there's an, like an infinite number of different channels that people are getting their music, and there's there's very little centralized taste making. It's I guess mm-hmm. is is a is a way to to say it. I don't know that that's I don't, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It just it, it fragments the culture. That centralized like taste making has gone from music to other other things, like reality tv and oh yeah i mean i mean there's always that kind of bullshit but but still i mean there's lots of people who don't watch that stuff too like it's not like it's not like on thursday at eight every week you're gonna sit down and watch friends yeah so you know appointment television (laughs) it's just not that world anymore it's very very different is it it is interesting to see what children's properties have lasted so far in Maybe the new millennium, like Paw Patrol, has seven or eight yeah. seasons and it's still going. Like well, Spin Master's okay. still finding new ways to get kids to buy the new toys and Pokemon's new gimmicks into it. So Pokemon's a know. big one, but Pokemon's not aimed at the at the young kids anymore. I mean, it still is, but I mean, there's there's like a whole older generation who's still playing that crap. There's that there's yeah. that meme. <laughs> I don't know if you got Mike's probably seen this meme picture. It's a video game related meme picture of like. Who it's de- who the who it's marketed at and who actually plays it and yeah. it's like Call of Duty marketed Bronies. at the teenagers. Yeah, well, Call of Duty is marketed towards like the teenagers of twenty somethings, but then like the twelve year olds play it, and then yeah. Pokemon's marketed to the twelve year olds, but it's the twenty thirty year olds who actually play it. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. I have no. I mean, the twelve year olds. My nephews are really into Pokemon, but uh, so you know, obviously they are hitting their target for some. Yeah. But there's there's a lot of people for whom I mean I'm a bit old for Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I was a bit too old when the game set for it to really sink in with me. It's never um, too late. It's never too late. <laughs> well, it's Game Boy first. So I played through all of them. <laughs> I had a Game play Boy. Them, play them again. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was just too like I'm trying to think like I I was I was, I was probably well into my teens when that stuff hit right so. Uh, it was 97. Yeah, well, I mean, I was 18. Like, so, you, so, you're, so you're thinking, well, what are these kids playing? What are these? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, I am. I'm just a bit too old for it to to really have landed. Like just a tiny bit, but because of that, I never really got into Pokemon when it was first out. So I don't have that um, nostalgia that drives me back to it. Talking about Pokemon, my nostalgia with it is. Uh... Hanging out with one of my closest friends, who I've been friends with for since uh, we were ten years old. Um, Is it Malcolm? Oh, yeah, it's Malcolm. Hi, Malcolm. Uh, oh, Hi, Malcolm. Uh, he's been on the show. That's right. He has once oh. upon a time. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, we'd load up the load up a Game Boy emulator on my PC, and we'd sit and use each half of the com- each use half of the, com- the keyboard. And we'd uh, level up our Pokemon until we were like, I don't know, level 10 or something. Whatever the cutoff was to be able to battle each other. So we'd, we'd, get, we'd get to the level where we could battle each other, and then we'd battle each other. 
<laughs> that was hilarious. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that is amazing. No, I mean, it, 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 and to, to, to bring this it all back together. It was actually 96. Quick correction, okay. it was 96. Then I was 17. And, you know, still a bit too old. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, the, yeah, it, it's the power of nostalgia, right? And mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm actually, like, you can see it getting less uh, prevalent. You know, like, the younger people just, like, don't know this stuff as much anymore. So eventually, it's just gonna sort of fritter away, and it's sad, but that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Or it might surprise us. I mean, going back, if we're still talking about this Charlie Brown Christmas album, that could be one that just sticks around because it's so timeless. Because it's not. I, I would appreciate that, but I mean, at the yeah. same time, I don't know a lot of younger people who have seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Yeah. I think it comes down to us showing it to them. I know, and but that's mm-hmm. on us. And if we don't do it, and which a lot of us won't, you know, a lot. Of, totally I haven't seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special in I don't know thirty years. Yeah, I totally forgot so. to show it to the to the boys this year. There you go. They did Craig, like, is, um, Craig is failing society. I have been. <laughs> I, I who was I talking to that like I was an original Grinch purist. Yeah, me too. Christmas, it's original or nothing. A hundred percent. And I mean, I, Audrey was a huge fan of the Jim Carrey one when she was a kid. So. Oh, I know I where that where that came from, Craig. We we were chatting, and I had mentioned that I was showing my class the oh, yeah. animated, the new animated one, which is quite good. Benedict Cumberbatch is uh, does the voice of the Grinch. Yeah, it's, that's it's where quite, I saw, it's like, quite good. Sorry. It's it's well made, but it's it's not the original. But it's well it made. Isn't. I mean, <laughs> the original's kind of it's kind of budget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have the original on Blu-ray, and I've shown that to the boys, and they do like it. So that's that's the one classic that seems to have at least hooked with Simon. And maybe a little bit with Francis, I think, too. But I'm trying to do my part. Yeah, I mean, good, good for you. I mean, that's that's how culture is transmitted, right? <laughs> I mean, if Mariah can have infinite power for decades and decades once a year, then, you know, other things can, too. Yeah, but she had to sell her soul for that. So yeah, she, She's really hooked into the into the Christmas industrial complex. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's actually really impressive. If you can, like... She's she's like the the mall Christmas music, and that'll that'll be forever. But oh, at yeah. least until there are no malls. <laughs> but yeah, this, the power of nostalgia is huge, and that's what this this album taps into. I, yeah, there's, I had one issue with it. Why does this album have "What Child Is This" and green sleeves on it? Mm. What's yeah, up with that? <laughs> padding. They're the same <laughs> song, people. Yes, but you it's have not, to. It's not like they're to, singing it. There's no lyrics. You said to imagine the words to green sleeves <laughs> during one of green sleeves have words. <laughs> what so this, would, this does, but... so th- this would have came out originally on what vinyl? This would came out on vinyl when it came out originally, oh, yeah. right? I mean, I, I don't know what other format there was in 1965. So, so they uh, gra- gramophone. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so it would have came out on vinyl, wax cylinders. <laughs> like, it wouldn't maybe, maybe then people would have thought it was just like an encore. Like later on in the album, suddenly the song comes on again. Well, I mean, I'm looking play it differently, but it's the same damn song. I'm I'm looking at the the Wikipedia right now, and the Green Sleeves was a bonus track that was added after 1988. Oh, there you uh, go. 
Richard with the uh, with the with the facts. Yeah, but they're probably fun songs to play. So it's like, hey, let's play these. Let's, play <laughs> let's, <this."> let's do Greensleeve. <laughs> yeah. Let's oh, do what child is this I again? Was... We already did that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh yeah, I say the no, no. Greensleeves is actually the original title of the tune used for "What Child Is This." Yes, it is, <laughs> and that bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> Because these uh, are the kind of things that keep me awake at night. That's awesome. We also oh. need to find out more jazz Christmas albums because this is the only one I know of. I mean, me too. I mean, we've done a, we've done a little bit of jazz, right? We did the Ernestine Anderson back in the day. Yeah, and... did we do um, some uh, Miles Davis? Did no, we? I don't think we did. No, I thought we did. Kind you guys of do any do, do any Duke Duke Ellington? That's that the, way back. The, yeah, the only the only one I can remember off the top of my head is the Ernestine Anderson. Hmm. I might be mistaken, but I, I kind of remember doing kind of blue ones. Oh, I mean, look, look through the list. <laughs> we could. I don't. I I I would say no. But while that's going on, I, th- I think we've all kind of gotten our piece out on this. We we miss our Christmas nostalgia, and we, we wish that it was being transmitted on. But the, f- f- the fragmenting of our culture is is causing our children to have radically different experiences than we did as children. And that is both positive and sad in different ways. And, and then we should move on to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> okay uh, seconded <laughs> okay so uh yeah so the 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 other um uh, uh festive christmas holiday album that we uh, have selected uh and you know feel free to to uh listen to this episode uh around christmas time if you so choose to you keep it bookmarked uh is the trans-siberian orchestra's um debut studio album uh christmas eve and other stories and the Trans-Siberian Orchestra is um, a really cool um, take on um, Christmas music. It it gives it a uh, mostly instrumental but uh, varied look at 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 um, different styles of performance, such as metal and and uh, and and a lot of. Um, pyrotechnics in their concerts and guitar and like it's 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 just a really uh exciting way to experience um some of these christmas carols that um we had had heard you know growing up but now all of a sudden you're listening to one being played you know with a you know shredding electric guitar solo And um, the first time I had ever even heard of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra was um, uh, a video that was going around uh, the internet early days um, of uh, the internet, probably the late 90s. It was of a house that had Christmas lights on it. And the Christmas lights were um, tuned up to Wizards in Winter, which is not one of the songs on this album, I believe. Um, It is one of the songs on, on... within that that trilogy of albums that came out along alongside this but um it uh it was really cool it, it had all of the lights dancing around and uh, 
was like, wow, this band is, is really cool. I want to figure out what they're all about. Ended up getting the um, trilogy and DVD box set from the library and, and watching the whole thing, seeing the concert and just being sort of blown away by it. Um, the uh, They're considered a, let me see if I can get a little, little bit of information, American rock band uh, formed in 1996. Um, they're still making music today. Um, they have lost their lead producer, composer, and lyricist uh, who passed away in 2017. Um, but my understanding is that they're still making music and they're still performing in concerts. Um, me and Craig and Richard got to go and see them uh, perform back in 2012, I think it might have been. Something like that. Uh, they put on an amazing oh, show. Was I feel like it was that? earlier than that because they... Yeah, you, maybe? you showed your baby face picture last week or last oh, yeah. recording session, and you, it was you. You guys were young. We were we were we were youngins. Yeah, I'll look that up again. But I think yeah, it's probably like two thousand and and I don't know eight or nine. Yeah, somewhere around there. It was, um, it was before. I'm pretty sure it was before Evan was born. Okay, yeah, he was born in 2011. So, uh, yeah, the the late the late uh, aughts would make sense. Um, anyway, this is just their first album. It's it's got some really cool tunes on it. Um, I really enjoyed putting this stuff on when I'm set decorating my Christmas tree. And and more recently I've been, I, I bought the DVD that I, I originally took out from the library. And so I'll watch that concert on, on, uh, on my TV while I'm setting up my Christmas tree. But what did you guys think? Yeah, I think, um, it's all right. I, I've liked the, I've liked their take on things since they, since the first time I heard them, which is probably late nineties, maybe a year or two after this came out. Um, I find that interesting how, although they incorporate rock uh, um, uh, instrumentation into their sound, it's very like the use of the word orchestra is, is very appropriate. Like they sound, they have that classical music sound, but with the rock instrumentation, it's really neat. And their show is great. Like you said, all the pyrotechnics is is pretty entertaining. We were pretty far from the stage. You could still feel the heat of the the flames. <laughs> Can you imagine standing on that That's stage and trying to play a guitar solo? Oh yeah, <laughs> sweating. Asbestos so underwear. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I like their stuff. I think I said in our chat um, between episodes that it needs the stage show, or like you lose a lot without the stage show. Which is probably I why I was like, eh, it was all right. <laughs> I think it suffers from something that I've heard in other projects or bands that try to do the same thing. We're like, we're going to play this stuff, but metal, which is all they end up doing most of the time is they get a distorted, distorted guitar to play the chord progression. And mm. that to me is super boring. That That's... sounds awesome. Which which album is that? I want to download it. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about like apocalyptica type stuff. <laughs> apocalyptica is better though because that's just all that's all cellos. That's just started yeah. cellos, and that at least is like. And they they write their own songs, but I don't know. I guess I find it lazy when people are like, "We're gonna metalify Christmas." All right, here's one distorted guitar playing like, you know, a power chord every. <laughs> yeah, and there there are some songs that do make better use of that, but yeah, that. So that was the negative side of of how I felt about this. But then after I stopped listening to this, a few minutes later, I'd be humming or thinking about like the vocal lines in my mm -hmm. head. So a lot of the vocals are really good. 
um, and very infectious. But I think I find the instrumentation is kind of, it doesn't live up to the potential, maybe. Like, it could have been a lot more than we put, a good, we put in a distorted guitar with an orchestra and played Christmas music. But you need to see this the stage show. Like, if you can go see the stage show, it is worth it. It's an enjoyable even, experience. even with all of them being dead One person's being dead. two Two are dead? I'm reading the Who thing else? right Who else now died? the bassist Oh. Bassists are a dime you a dozen. you You didn't didn't need a bassist. <laughs> Unless you're like Primus the or tractor Tool trailer or veered Rush. off of interstate 75 in florida and struck the ruv that adrenaline mob was riding in which is the, the band he was touring with at the time I also haven't listened to a lot of Sabotage, which is the original band that the two guitarists for Trans-Siberian Orchestra came from. Sabotage are famous for doing um, a metal take on Grieg's Hall of the Mountain King in the 80s. Oh, yeah. So there's where the like classical inclination comes in and how this all kind of makes sense. Well, I mean, it's it's an interesting idea. Like, it 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 feels kind of novelty, right? You know, like taking Christmas and making it metal. And I I did enjoy listening to the album. I, I listened through it a number of times, especially before Christmas. And it was I, I thought some of their original ones were kind of. But, you know, when they, they get to the ones that I like, then I know, you know, uh, it's uh, I like the way they mash together, you know, different Christmas carols and that'll vibe of it. You know, your Mad Russian one with all the Nutcracker ones and your I think they have Hark the Herald Angels sing in there. And yeah, it, it's fun. To, it's fun to listen to. I thought it was they, those were well done. Um, so. you know for what it was it was worth it was good of course the um what is it the uh the christmas eve sarajevo um Oh, their their most famous one. yeah that that that's a good song i mean it's that's your that's your carol of the bells right that's Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's it's very well done um which i mean it it, it better be cuz it's kind of your bread and butter <laughs> and but yeah i mean i don't know that i i would listen to a ton of trans siberian orchestra i might feel differently if i had seen the stage show but you
discography of a band compressed sure. down into like a just a handful of songs <laughs> yeah, it's like your, it's like your very own best of album yeah but uh it's, it's part of the reason why we do this show in the format that we do uh it's something to be said for like a an intentionally you know assembled album of mm. songs that you know are meant to go in a certain order they they play into each other there's some, some other sort of later songs call back previous ones like it's a whole experience mm-hmm. um that that I, I think we appreciate and you know that is, is getting a little bit lost these days which is okay i mean it is it is what it is the only reason the album was a thing in the first place was because of the media that was that was available to to print them on right so you know so yeah, the songs are an album represent or are from a the same point in time which yeah. may yeah. also give other meaning or meaning or other context to the sure. album. Absolutely. But I mean, I, I think, I think you find that a lot, the, 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 the medium of storage and, and playback, mm-hmm. uh, the, the technology dictates their format, basically mm-hmm. what is, what is possible dictates how things happen. Like side A and side B on a vinyl album, right? It, it was it was a thing, but it was because you can only fit so many songs on the first side, and you could you could press songs on both sides, and you know, like it's. Um, Alan Cross has talked a lot about that. He has a few episodes on the history of music media. I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember where 33 and a third RPM came from. That's something he's explained too. Ah, uh, yeah. I remember him talking about that, but. Ongoing history of new music, folks. Check it out. It's, it's a great show. I yeah, love that better, show. Better podcast than ours. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, a more professional podcast for sure. Until we get him on the show. And so, Alan, this is raw. Alan Cross is a professional. Uh, uh, he's a professional um, broadcaster. So he's, yeah. he's, and also he's become a music historian. Yes. Yeah. And he has been for a long time. So yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a lot, a lot going for him that we don't have going for us. Yeah. <laughs> so. For industry contacts, a body of work. <laughs> so guys, that was that was uh, our our Christmas uh, our Christmas part of the episode. Merry Christmas very, to all. Very festive. <laughs> a quick side note I want to make before we stop talking about Trans-Siberian orchestras. There's a there's a YouTube channel that I've followed for a while that's all about tiny houses. And um, Asha Mavlana, who's one of the uh, violinists for Trans-Siberian Orchestra, there's a episode on that show that looks at her house. She has a, a tiny house set up in the States. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's Louisiana or one of those one of those states. Uh, and it's pretty cool. There's like, it's actually two components to it. One is a on a fixed foundation, and the other one is a a movable piece. And when she has them parked side by side, there's this cool uh, deck out front that she can use to do like neighborhood performances and stuff. Uh, now when she's touring, she can tow it with her. The part that she tows when she's at home, that's like her practice area. But it can it has parts that can convert into sleeping quarters for when she's on the road and stuff, which is pretty neat. Kind of wild. <laughs> That's really cool. Okay, so I guess uh, let, let me hop in now. Um, I chose uh, the Beastie Boys debut album, "License to Ill," 
came out in 1986. It was uh, it was a huge album for both for the Beastie Boys and for their entire genre of music. It kind of launched it into you know popular you know acknowledgement. You know, it's it, it made it popular. Um, it's, uh, it's got some, some of their, their biggest tracks on it, like, you know, fight for your right to party and, uh, you know, no sleep till Brooklyn. It's just, just a couple of huge songs of theirs. Um, I chose this one in particular because, um, I, a, I, all things being equal, I, I generally like to, to go to a band's first release to you know kind of see where where everything started and um and also i i really like the way this album is put together so mm-hmm. so yeah uh that's that's the album that's why i chose it what do you think guys okay well let me hop in first because i hadn't heard beastie boys in a while um but i immediately just had a great time jumping into this one uh you're right like songs like um Fight for Your Right. Girls was one that I had completely forgotten about. That and then it comes hilarious. in with a I was like, yeah. it's it just and and the the idea that the Beastie Boys back in, in 1986 were going to pioneer a sound that was going to still exist today. Um, you know, bands that sort of really jumped on the on the backs of these guys and 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 built their sound the same way. Um, like Oh, there's so many examples like some 41 for example sounds like exactly like the beastie boys or try to anyway and and it's 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 cool like this idea of of how they're sort of jumping around back and forth between each other when they're singing they got they have that that sound that um i feel like is is also kind of timeless in the sort of hip-hop sort of genre like when you put when you put it on you know this is beastie boys you're listening to it also uh, this one another reason I chose this album. One of the reasons I I think I like this album more than some of their lighter stuff is because it actually rocks. Mm-hmm. Like there, it is full of driving guitars and you know over their silly raps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some of the, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying to 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 uh, to denigrate the entire genre of rap. They're silly sometimes. They're yeah. just silly people. So. <laughs> they were definitely having fun. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it was interesting because this was, and they kind of kicked off that incorporating rock into mm-hmm. rap sound, and, and it was picked. It was picked up within those years, like within a year or two, by other artists, especially from also from New York, like um, Run DMC. Yeah, and, you hear it all the time, and it's like, like yeah. especially like mi- mixes, like you know, like Run DMC and Aerosmith doing "Walk This Way," or you know, yeah. like Body Count. Yeah, right. If you, listen, if you listen to the Run DMC album that came out around the same time, I think maybe the next year or several months later, uh, they have a lot of rock that they're bringing into it. Yeah, and I, I think Public Enemy did too, and you know, mm-hmm. there was there was a number of them. 
Ab- Body Ab- count Ab- this iced tea rapping over like some driving guitars and just singing the same thing over and over again. Body counts in the house. You know? So good. Apple's got a cool playlist called Inspired by the Beastie Boys. They've started doing some of these inspired by playlists. Okay. And just sort of scrolling through some of these uh, names that kind of you're like, yeah, yeah, like uh, Gorillas, um, uh, uh, Kid Rock, Busta Rhymes, uh, Linkin Park, Papa Roach, Twenty One Pilots, uh, The Prodigy, Some Forty One. Like all, all, like there's so much music that you can really listen to their stuff and go back and and you're like, yeah, this this is. This is, this is from the Beastie Boys. And before they got into rap, like they were, they started as a punk band. Egg Radon Mojo. <laughs> um, so, like, it makes sense that there's all that, that crossover. Oh, absolutely. And it, it was a really interesting way for them to, you know, evolve, really. And got a shout out Sum 41, local South Southern Ontario band. Yeehaw. I like the song She's Crafty. I thought that was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that there's was a lot of good tracks. There's a lot of good tracks oh. on this. Uh, I, I think the whole album is solid. Like, yeah, every it's, song it's got so- really some, good. something on offer. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I totally agree with that. It's, it, one, one thing Craig mentioned on the, the chat was that uh, this album is really backloaded. Yep. Mm-hmm. It, and, and it is. It's... Uh, but back you know, only with meme songs, which is kind of like the songs you recognize that they're at, at are at the end, but they're also like the meme novelty songs, like "Girls" and "Fight for Your Right to Party." So does that mean the front is actually the good side because it's the legitimate music instead of just the novelty songs? I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking this. Whoa. I think you are. <laughs> I do. I do think you're overthinking this one. Yeah. The singles are all at the end, but they're all like joke novelty nonsense. So maybe we should pay more attention to the front. I don't know. I mean, the, the front is, is is good too. I mean, mm-hmm. but I mean, you've got like, I mean, no sleep till Brooklyn's not really a novelty song. No, that's the legitimate you know, single. I would put it. That's, a, that's like a, that's like a good driving single that is 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 fun. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Paul Revere. <laughs> that Paul was a Revere single. Is pretty good. Yeah, uh, and the, monkey, the lyrics to that irritating. are friggin'. What's that? Sorry, Brass Monkey. I find irritating. Oh, I love Brass because monkey. of the brass sample. It's driving nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really like Brass Monkey. <laughs> I think I'm trying to appreciate this while also like hating, fighting my natural dislike of a lot of tropes in '80s hip hop. Mm. Like saying what your name is in every other bar or every <laughs> other song. Oh, they were, they were they were they 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 rap about themselves a lot. <laughs> I think I don't like that because if you look at like eighties culture stuff, like eighties TV that was trying to incorporate hip hop but clearly had no clue about hip hop culture, that's the rhymes they would write. Is like <laughs> I'm CW and I'm here to say I get the runs every day, you know, like that is I love fruity exact... pebbles in a major way. <laughs> yeah, like in, something in a major way. Like right, that is the template they would copy. And so when I hear it in Beastie Boys, even though like this is the thing that started that, I'm still like, oh, this is eighties, this is eighties hip hop, and this is what I don't like about eighties hip hop. Um there's a reason that that exists too, though. Is 
because it comes out of uh, battle raps, which were one of one of the core components of early hip hop, and that has continued to this day. But uh, yeah, I will acknowledge that, but I will also say you that you I don't think, have to like it. Yes, broader culture has unfortunately ruined it for me. <laughs> so we can blame mainstream mainstream appropriation of hip hop in the 80s for ruining that for me. Um, I think I also mentioned in chat over the break that a friend in mine in high school ruined Beastie Boys for me partially. And I'll explain that story. So we're at my house. He's We're watching much music and the video for Intergalactic comes on, which is one of my favorite Beastie Boys planetary. songs. I That's love awesome. the instrumentation from Intergalactic. I love it. Love, love, love. Um, but we're, we get a bit into the song and he's much more hip hop inclined. Um, inclined than I am. Also, shout outs to Fred Lee if you ever hear this. I miss you, man. Hope you're doing well. Um, and he's like, Oh, it's the same Beastie Boys cadence as in all of their songs. Dun 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 dun. And he lays out the cadence, and I'm thinking, like, You're right. You're true. It's the same Beastie Boys cadence that they use in all of their songs. So now that is in my head every time I hear a Beastie Boys song. And this was said to me like in 1990, whatever. <laughs> and it came up a lot in this album too of like yep that song's using that pattern yep that song's also using that vocal pattern they're, they're so, a little formulaic a little formula but this they is found, also they found 19- something that worked <laughs> this is also 1986 hip-hop and yeah. that's what i also have to keep in mind i think that's also why i prefer later career beastie boys like i think i mentioned sure shot i think is a very underappreciated beastie boys song Obviously, and it didn't come all that much later i don't think sure shots on paul's boutique right like 1993 maybe I don't know. oh maybe i'm wrong 93 91 i forget i'm going to look it up while steve looks it up we'll list, we'll list other later career beastie boys jams no i'm wrong isn't three mcs in a dj is that the video where they go into the basement and it's shot in one room i think i think i like that yeah sure shot sabotage <laughs> intergalactic those are good beastie boys jams mm-hmm I think how I would describe my feelings about this is I find it too primitive, maybe. It's too, or too 80s. Too I'm 80s sure shots of opening track on Ill Communication, which is 94. Nice. And then three MCs and one DJ was on one of the early Big Shiny tunes. I forget if it was one or two. Mm. Or Neither. Three. Yeah, maybe three. <laughs> maybe three. So that, that would suggest to me it was in the little, little second half of the 90s. Whatever album it came out of. This album's also tonally weird. Like I read I read up on Fight for Your Right and it's supposed to be a joke. Like it's not supposed to be a legitimate. Yeah, they didn't mean it seriously at all, no. It's I don't know, it's weird. Because the rest <laughs> of the album is the rest of the album a joke? Because the rest of the album is basically tonally would, the same. Yeah, I would say the rest of the album is is kind of a joke. I, t- I said yeah. once again, listen, listen to the lyrics on Paul Revere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're riding horses and and, and you know <laughs> fleeing from the cops and stealing each other's beers and it's like it's like a it's like a creation myth for the Beastie Boys. It's absolutely ridiculous. But you know yeah. that, that's yeah. what they do. <laughs> Obesity boys, since he rest in peace. Which one? Wait, which one passed away? I was about to say, but I was like, I'm gonna get it wrong. Uh, MCA. MCA. Amiak. Uh, 
All right. So that, there's there's our, our Beastie Boys. I think we've all... Does anyone else have any insights about either this album or the Beastie Boys in general? If not, we're going to move on to everyone's favorite band, Tool. Everyone's favorite band with the least favorite fan base. <laughs> What's wrong That's with slowing. the fan base? <laughs> Tool's fan base gets a lot of shit online. It's oh, not okay. the band I hate. It's their fans. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? I'm a Tool fan. <laughs> yeah, but you're not so, the fan base. A singular Tool fan can be a good person. The Tool fan base collectively. Tool fans together. Yeah, piece Although I, I heard ICP has, an, has a pretty good fan base. Oh, Juggalos. <laughs> Any, anyone I've had any interaction with at Tool concerts that seemed to be pretty decent people? Was it oh, you who posted that meme picture, Richard, of like Tool fan trying to explain their song and it was from American Psycho? <laughs> yeah. It's just because, yeah, tool, tool fans are definitely passionate about uh, Tool's music. That's that's one thing I'll say about Tool's fan base. They're... I think that's where my comment comes from. <laughs> okay. Is depending on how much you care about Tool's music, that passion can sometimes come off as different in different negative ways. Yeah. Uh, so this was Mike's first listening experience with Tool. So I'm interested to hear what he has to say. But I'll Please introduce the album before we get into it. Please um, do. So... Anima or Anima or however you want to say it. Uh, according no, to Wikipedia, nobody knows. it's Anima. Um, and it's a play on, on Anima with, you know, having your, your rectum washed out. And also um, Anima, which I looked it up, I don't know, a week ago or something. I forget the exact meaning, but it has to do with uh, what you project. Motive force. Yeah, this Motive is this force. is yeah. yeah, this is something I've known for. Um, yeah. I, I I think I heard this one on an ongoing history of new music back in yeah. the year eight 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 sixty two or something. <laughs> Way back when. The, uh, the album came out in nineteen ninety six. It's, um, yeah, it's their second full length uh, LP after Undertow. They had released an EP before that called uh, Opiate uh, in the early 90s. Um, but Tool's been a band that traditionally has had quite a bit of space between their albums, but the fact that uh, Undertow came out in, what was it, 93? Yeah. And then um, 96 is when this came out. That was a fairly tight timeline, but they were early in their career and gung-ho and they hadn't figured out how to really stretch it out yet. <laughs> and they also, they also hadn't broken off into their infinite side projects. That too. Wineries. Um, this Wineries. is, it's, it's interesting how they've, um, how they evolved. And I think this is, this album's a really important stage in that evolution of their sound from sort of, I have a hard, they're often classified as metal, but I have a hard time lumping them in with metal. I don't. I don't know. Who are an undertow? They're like budget filter, and then, <laughs> and then here they're, they're kind of their own thing. Undertow was more, I think, uh, trying to be a little shocky with their song topics and lyrics and things like that. Dude, this um, is the album that has Hooker with a penis on it. Well, that continued into this. I was. I was <laughs> <laughs> that was the next thing I was going to say. Uh, but this is when they started to to introduce more uh, polish into their the, the 
uh, production of their songs and the uh, the arrangement of their songs and getting very precise and uh, which continued into their later albums after this. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really good starting point for somebody who's coming into Tool and is like, what's this band all about and where do they come from? I would say definitely go back and listen to Undertow. I find Opiate is a little too uh, too raw, a little too ragged to to really appreciate the band as uh, as the phenomenon they've become. But uh, yeah, definitely go back and listen to Undertow. But this is a really good starting point, and uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys think. It says that Opiate was re-recorded last year. Re-recorded. It says Opiate was re-recorded and re-released as Opiate Squared on March 1st, 2022. Right, yeah. That's kind of interesting, like a band going back to like their early stuff going, oh, we can do this better. Right? Like you guys were just talking about like a snapshot in time, right? Like an album is a snapshot in in a band's sort of progression, right? So that's an interesting idea of saying, okay, we actually know what we're doing now. Let's go back and completely re-record that first album again. That's interesting. I do find it interesting when when bands go back and they say, and they take a previous song and they they try it again. I mean, sometimes sometimes it, it's interesting. Sometimes it's just. Do, do you remember? Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm skipping over to the to other bands that did that. You know, you know, Moist. I think everyone yep. here knows Moist. Mm. Um, they had they had Push on Silver, and then they re-released it on Mercedes Five and Dime. And it sounds exactly the same. Really? And I don't know why they did it. It's like, what was the purpose of, of putting that track on there? And it is know. a re-recording. It's not just like... I think so. I mean, why would they just put the same one? I, I think it was called like Push 2000 or something. I think the album came out in 2000. But I, I'm just, this is just off the top of my head. Like, I'm, I'm, It's been a long time since I listened to that. Um but also uh, Treble Charger, one mm-hmm. of their first big like breakout songs was Red off there. I think it's mm. in the NC-17 tape or whatever. And then they re-released it on um, Maybe It's Me, I think. And it's, it's more polished and softer and not nearly as good. I find that's usually the case. The Red example is what I've found when bands re-record. You, you do, you can... Like... The youthful energy is gone, and it yeah. They it think they either... can do it better because now that they're more polished. But there was there was something about the original that they cannot seem to recapture. Yeah, it's slower. The energy you can feel the energy's not there. It's bland and like this intense. Bland way. is a really really good word for that. Yeah, it's it's safe or safe. Safe as safe yeah. is probably a good description. Sure. Um, I'm going to gush about this album for a while. So let's go to someone with probably more interesting uh, opinion. Mike, you go first. Okay. So I listened to this album today. 
so I I was holding off. I had listened to everything else. Oh, you only give it one listen? One solid. Oh my! Li- you need to give, li- it, so li- give li- it at least a few. I give almost all the albums we we do a few listens. This one I was hesitant. I don't know why I was hesitant, but I was. I feel like Tool because I, I mean I had friends growing up that were really into Tool as well, like w- kids I went to high school with and stuff, and it was they were like gushing about Tool all the time. I just couldn't. I just couldn't get into it back then. I'm, I, I don't even remember anything of listening to it back then. Um, so for some reason, I waited until today. And so I'm lying down. I got my headphones on. I'm listening through. And I was blown away. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I did not know what to expect um, in terms of sound. Even reading the re- review that uh, Apple Music decided to give the album, um, d- declared it the best um, heavy metal album of, of the 90s. And um, which which is interesting because you know it, it didn't really remind me a lot of of metal. Yeah, I don't, it, I, don't I don't I don't really think of Tool as metal. Yeah, they're more like most of the time they're like progressive bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the weird space of heavy alternative that existed yeah. for a little bit of time in the '90s, from like '92 yeah. to '97, and then disappeared once the new metal hit. So, I, yeah. I saw I saw a Tool concert. I think I went with, with my my friend Andre back in the day, and I think they were. I think it was Dream Factory that opened up for them. Or Dream Theater. Dream Theater. That's a, sorry. That's that Dream, oh, Dream Theater. Theater's, Dream Theater's pretentious bullshit. I oh, it was just the. It was the worst shit I've ever heard. You I you mean, especially would hate Dream Theater. Oh, oh yeah, I can see you so much. hating Dream Theater. Seething <laughs> hate for them. They were so terrible, uh, and that kind of got me in a bit of a bad mood for Tool. Oh. Please, please, somebody pick that album so that we can have uh, Steve complaining about it oh, on a future um, episode. <laughs> I think like Scenes from a Memory Part One or Two is like the quintessential dream theater album but it's it's progressive music with tons of solos like every oh, other album's a concept album with an overarching awful. story okay it's not steve's type of music at it, all. No, I, i'm not into prog of any sort generally um and tool can meander into places i do not care for mm. um but often like their their core sound i, I kind of like and this is my exposure to what I'm thinking is going to be their sort of continuous sound. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Do they, do they change a lot as they, as they go on? Because I really liked what I heard here. And, and there was some really interesting stuff going on in my headphones. Um, some songs that jumped out at me, like eulogy was like the second track. It was really crazy. I really enjoyed that one. Um, I, I texted uh, to Richard. I was like, there's an intermission on this album. And I started, you know, I like, <laughs> I like, I like the intermission, <laughs> the intermission yep. came in. Um, there's then there's little, little things like that. There's intermission. There's a uh, message. Ions. Yeah. The message yeah. to Harry Manbeck. The Ions <laughs> one was bonkers. And I, I was going, I was sitting there. because you're I, I, headphones, it hops from ear yeah. to ear, right? Yeah. 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 I was like, I was definitely listening to my nice headphones on that, that one. And I was like, whoa, this is bonkers. I, I really had fun with it. There was one that was, uh, was it D. Ear Von Satin? Satin. Yeah. yeah. The Balls of Satan. Like it's, it's, are they singing in German? Is that German? Yeah. It's a recipe for, um, uh, was hash, it cookie. hash cookies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then in German yeah. and no anyway, eggs. It was, it was entertaining. <laughs> I, I, it's my first exposure to tool. I had fun with it. I do want to listen to more like, and, and I mean, I, I suppose if you come out of anything wanting to hear more, 
then then that's a good thing, right? So that's yep. that's my overall impression. I really enjoyed it. I know I only got, gave this one listen, but I am going back. Yeah, before before Craig gushes, I think I'll I'll hop in then because um, I, I I like the sound on this one. Uh, I I like it more than I like um, later Tool. I I find that Tool does meander into places in, on later albums, especially you know Ten Thousand Days and whatnot. I haven't listened to uh, Fear Inoculum, <laughs> but. Um, uh, that just just it's there should be a certain brevity to one's songs nope. so that they do not become stale. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that does I'm not apply to tool. I know. I, I think the tool's problem is that they don't realize that it applies to them. But it does. <laughs> so yeah. They don't play by your rules, Steve. I, I know. I know they don't, and it's why they suck. But, <laughs> uh, but no, there there are there are parts of the tool experience that I appreciate. Like honestly, I haven't been able to get Stink Fist out of my head since we started listening to this because it is so catchy. Mm-hmm. It's so good. it's so catchy. It's such a good song. I I love forty six and two. I think it's a great song. Um, I, I um Enema itself is a is a just yeah. a kicking song. It's a really good song. Um, but then I mean like, uh, Eulogy is like it's eight minutes. You yeah, know? eight minutes is a good length. Yeah, <laughs> eight minutes amazing is a good song. Length. Yeah, it's, so yeah. There's a longer song on the album. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, was it the last track? Uh, last track, yeah, 13, thirteen minutes something. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and thirteen like just meaningless minutes. <laughs> like, it really doesn't do it for me. Um, you know, Ions is an interesting, interesting segue, but four minutes of it, really, like. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little bit long, but it's a yeah. If you're lying there with your headphones on and just kind of zoning out, and you're baked to shit, that would help. <laughs> That's what uh, I did wrong. Crap. <laughs> okay. It's uh, it, it's an experience. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. That's that's a good word for tool. They are an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, parts of that experience are not really my, um my jam that's fair. but <laughs> but uh and, i, I and appreciate one, it one thing i'll note about tool being an experience is that every one of their albums has an experience with the album art too yes, um, I... this this one they they have the the album case and i have the cd i've had the cd since i was in high school and anytime i've moved with it and like packed it i've taken care to make sure it is it is packed safely so that that jewel case doesn't get cracked because i don't know where i'd get another one of it but it has those the ridged plastic that you can you know you you can angle it and it'll uh animate the thing so oh, that's really cool in, in the, <laughs> the booklet in the booklet there's different sheets and you can flip the sheets around and put each one behind the the jewel case and it has different animations within it which well, that's, is, which that's cool. really awesome. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, it it doesn't really make or break an album for me, but I appreciate that they they went the extra extra mile. 
It's yeah. one of the things that you lose with the digital True. album, right? Have to do it some other way then. Animated gifts and Apple Music, <laughs> like for your yeah. cover art. Um, yeah. In, but yeah, and then in subsequent albums like uh, Lateralis, it, the booklet is transparency and the artwork layers, so you can flip through it and peel basically peel back the layers of that image that's on the front of it, which is kind of neat. In the uh, kind of air. <laughs> and no eggs. Yay! <laughs> um, and then uh, 10,000 Days, it has a stereoscope in the album art. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, they do, they've done some cool stuff. And then with uh, Fear Inoculum, the only way to buy it physically is to buy the like $100 CD that comes with a, a LCD screen in the cover of it that plays video. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mike, I would say this is the last really weird tool album. I think their sound standardizes after this. I'd be curious to hear Richard's take. Um, but I think like both Lateralis, which is the album that comes out after this in 10,000 days, don't have the weird intros. And my memory is the songs are a lot, I don't want to say samey, but you not as different stylistically as the album as the songs on this album which is i think why this is my favorite tool album um or one of the reasons is you get songs that sound a lot different which you which i feel the band lost after this um i love the way the album sounds like the guitar tone and like no other album sounds like this album um and i love the way it sounds um and i think the last last thing i'll gush about is that Tool are a fantastic band, a fantastic example of a band that's more compositionally interesting than they are like mechanically interesting. Like there's no shredding going on on this album, but the fascinating part for me is like hearing all the parts and how they go interact with each other. I love that, especially the bass and guitar. There's so much interesting bass playing going on this album. Um, and I will agree with, Stephen, that like all the songs Stephen mentioned are fantastic and even songs that like i remember h was a radio single and i would always flick the station when the edge was playing that back in the day but i don't again, remember if, them ever playing that it was yeah it was being played i forget in what order i think yeah. it was before or after 46 and 2 was on the radio mm. um but i i've given it more listens and i've come around on it it's not bad um yeah, I, I think you could probably make the case that Lateralis is a better album and probably the critically best Tool album, but this is this one's my favorite. Love it. Love it so much. You could argue for every Tool album in its own right, but in terms of if you're thinking about, yeah, radio friendliness, um, yeah, the content within the lyrics, everything like that, it's definitely... Was a one... personal connection through anal fisting? As a metaphor, no that's... <laughs> no, that's only stink fist. Yeah, <laughs> the hate for whereas the hate for Scientology is spread way across this entire album. He does. After Anima, I've, I've, I've figured that he really doesn't like LA. Like, that's, why, that's why he moved to Arizona and yeah, it's, a, it's really he's, a 
Yeah, he's really anti <laughs> anti LA in that song. Yeah. And and yeah, most of the most of the lyrics are written by Maynard. Yeah. I I took care this time to to actually read through all the lyrics to each of the songs on this album because I feel like you're you're kind of missing out on the tool experience if you don't at least try. Some, you know? some of it does work. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steve. No, I'm just, I think you know, like that he he's obviously put such care into mm-hmm. the lyrics of his songs that it's if you're not and and they're not easy to understand. Um, mm-hmm. So you the effort is required for you know to to really get the the drift that he's trying to to shoot at you. And I think only one thing requires a lot of like supplemental resource reading, which would be 46 and two, which is the whole gen- and that requires like a course. Yeah. <laughs> what the shit are you talking about? Such a uh, weird, you know, <laughs> it's the chromosome reference, right? Like it's, it's like, yeah. uh, it's so strange. But that's okay. Um, there's a lot of themes throughout their music that, reference back to like all occult ideas and stuff because that's something that Danny carries really into the their drummer. Mm-hmm. Um it's they have a lot of yeah, a lot of interesting themes throughout their music across albums, but um Craig, I would say you're right in saying that this was the last album that they put weird stuff into. They got mm-hmm. a lot more focused. And I think part of focused that has is a better do... word, yeah. Yeah, and I think part of that has to do with when they started breaking out into different side projects. Like, Pussifer kind of became the outlet for the the weird, fun stuff. Um, and then Tool was not that. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. I think that's... I feel like that's what happened. Yeah, Maynard is very different in each of the bands he is in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a... Definitely not. Um, he plays a character in every band he's in, you know. Yeah. So he's very strange. If I've I've seen him perform a couple of times, well, I've seen Tool perform three times, and I've seen a Perfect Circle, I think, twice. How many long wigs does he have for What's a Perfect that? Circle? And then how many long wigs does he have for a Perfect Circle? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Like he, he always seems to be wearing like a long, like a long colored wig when yeah. he does a perfect circle, and he he's you know he sings like a person when yeah. he's doing tool. He's like at the back of the stage, back, facing backwards, and he might have a spiked mohawk, and he's like not looking at the audience, and he's singing in the dark a lot. You know, it's yeah. mm-hmm. it's very theatrical yeah. that way. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know Pussifer very well. With the perfect circle, he's very much the plays the front man. He's out there yeah. joking with the audience and doing all that stuff. And yeah. yeah. With Tool, oftentimes he's not even paying attention to the audience. Mike, I would suggest you listen to Lateralis next. That's the album okay. that comes out, out after this or came out right after this. Okay. And then well, after that's... you listen to that, listen to Ten Thousand Days. Okay. Like back to back. Yeah, sure. And then fear an oculum. <laughs> and then Dude, there's your myself. entire afternoon <laughs> wow that's a lot of tool i don't know <laughs> let me so let me soak it in slowly yeah Ooh. and then we'll we'll look out for the next time they're coming to toronto and we'll, we'll, we'll go see them yeah. we'll go see some <laughs> go see some tool 
Yeah. Um, I, I I think I might even see them again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're 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 doing an on location on location podcast. Older, slightly less contrary. Steve will give give things a try. <laughs> Greg, I have always said that I will go to any concert that someone asks me to go to. Ah, and and you know that I've what what have I seen with you? Oh, that's true. <laughs> we should go see us. We should go see a drone show and like rag on it the entire time. One son, oh, bracket, 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 coming to town. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what's Terrible. the worst? What's the worst trash I could, that I would like, ironically like, that I could drag Steve to? Because I wouldn't like it. <laughs> I do like the um, 10th anniversary I Get Wet show that we went to, that I was gassed after five songs. That was incredible. <laughs> that was amazing. I was like, I was like in the best shape of my life at that point in time. I just kept going for the whole friggin' thing. You needed to be. I did. Like it was just intense, but it was amazing. Yes. One of the shows. <laughs> All right. So th- those are our, those are the four albums we did. That was a uh, our, our very tool Christmas, I call it. <laughs> so a very, pro- a very prog jazzy pr- jazzy prog Christmas <laughs> from Siberia. I yeah I I honestly appreciate jazz like I do. Uh, there's jazz I find an almost irredeemably awful, but this it was not this jazz. So, um, so let's uh, let's let's I guess move on to our our next choices I guess. I have a sort of out there choice, not out there weird, but like out there like maybe for what you guys would think I would suggest. Okay. Randomly over the break, the song The 59 Sound from the Gaslight Anthem worked I like its way back into my head, and I gave the album a try. And the album's actually really good. Huh. The album has the same title, so we're going to do the Gaslight Anthem, the 59 Sound. Okay. I like that. The 59 um, Sound? Yeah. Okay. I've, I've been... I've been all over the place what I should choose. Like, I my the album I, I want to choose just bounces with my mood. Um, but I think I'm going to choose the Smiths, The Queen is Dead. Ooh. Uh, containing uh, the most depressing song ever written, I Know It's Over. Okay. Okay, so I am going to do. Um, I was actually talking to Richard about this the other day, and I asked if you guys had done this band before, and he said that you guys have not. And so Did I thought suck? it would be. <laughs> I don't think so because I I quite enjoy these guys. So I have chosen the uh, Lincoln Park album Hybrid Theory. Debut right. Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm- I, I, I don't know if it's exa- the exact same experience Craig had with his choice, but I decided uh, over the holidays to to uh, explore a little bit of the catalog of um, of um, Fountains of Wayne because oh, yeah. I've heard Stacy's mom for years and years and years, and it's a hilarious song. In, in, in case you didn't know, she's got it going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, She's like, all I want, and I've waited so long. Uh, I was like, what else did they do? So I listened to some of their music, and it's actually pretty good. Um, not sure why they didn't, uh, they weren't bigger, but uh, Stacy's Mom was a huge single. 
I think the only single from this album, but the album's called Welcome Interstate Managers. Welcome Interstate okay. Managers? Yep. Like okay, this, is gonna, this is going to be interesting. Us, I like that the streaming era allows us to do stuff like this very easily. That we well, I mean, it's not like first. before the streaming era we, era, we wouldn't just pirate the songs and drop them in Dropbox. We would we, never do that, but it's not like we didn't do that. Do that. But... <laughs> What I'm saying is we never would have gotten to the point of, hey, this album, this album by this band that had that one song is actually really good. So to even make it to that point is something mm. that basically is. Hey, I mean, I've already done different. the refreshments, Fizzy Fuzzy, Big and Buzzy. That was, that's a good. Album. I own that <laughs> it's album. A great yeah. album, which I also <laughs> own. But it also didn't, it, it kind of flew under the radar for most. Yes. I will say back in the day, all the albums that I put forward, I either already owned or I bought them to share with you guys. Yes. So at least I, I, I like to think at least one of us owned all the albums we did. I, I say so. never, I, I honestly owned most of the albums that I chose. Um, but I, I don't, maybe here, just a second. I can't, I, there's no chance I owned all of them. That That's just nuts. Like, that's a lot of albums. Okay, you got to click on uh, Napster and you got to click on Shared. <laughs> Napster, Scour.net, Audio Galaxy. We're going pre Napster days. Oh, we're going Kaza. We're going Morpheus. E Donkey. Those are after. <laughs> yeah, those are all after. Those are all after. You're going on like going on to some you know BBS where, where somebody's Ooh. putting their their wares and their mm-hmm. tunes. <laughs> yeah, before Napster came out, I was using uh, MIRC. Yeah, that that I mean that was the only real way to yeah to do it back then, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, I did own most of these albums, so I, I take back the the thing. I didn't own any of your guys' albums though. Yeah, <laughs> no, we, we would we would rip our CDs and digitize. Yeah, digit digitize <laughs> and share. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So 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 that's actually that's actually kind of fair. Uh, I guess I was more of a good boy than I, I gave myself credit for. Yeah. Woo. All right. So we, I guess we have a, a lineup for our next show that should be it being January the 15th now should hit the, your major streaming services sometime in September. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back to school kids. <laughs> nothing exploded in the summer there's nothing there's <laughs> nothing appealing to the kids in this show <laughs> i have an i have an episode edited that uh, i should really publish yeah why don't you do that <laughs> maybe maybe i'll listen to some of them <laughs> there we go all right drive up our, our counts where's my Ooh, so, someone uh, do an outro mike do the outro all right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on all the socials, all the all Hello. the various networks. Are we posting? Yeah. Uh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you like what you hear, uh, you know, send it to a friend. I'm not on most of these social networks, but I am on Facebook, and I see that I don't post on there most of the time. There we go. So until next time, keep on listening. Peace.